Welcome to the Future Tech edition of the Finding Genius podcast. Forget frequently asked questions, forget common sense, common knowledge, or Googling for information. How about advice from a genius in their field instead? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do, but only 0.1% are the geniuses of their profession. Richard has made it his life's mission to interview the geniuses of their fields in areas such as AI, 3D printing, quantum computing, blockchain and Bitcoin, and more. Don't miss out on amazing podcasts with geniuses. Review us on iTunes or wherever you listen and go to futuretech.findinggeniuspodcast.com and subscribe today. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast, Future Tech Edition. I have Ronald Merrill. He's a professor and an author. Uh, he has a book called Our Magnetic Earth, The Science of Geomagnetism. He's a professor emeritus in the Earth and Space Science Department at the University of Washington. So, Ron, thanks for coming. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so what, what is geomagnetism, you know, for the layperson? What's it about? Well, um, the, the magnetism, of course, is a, a broad field that covers all the way from physics to geology. And in my case, I'm interested in Earth's magnetic field um, and its properties in the past, what creates it, uh, what's going on today, and a whole bunch of related problems such as, uh, you know, animals use the magnetic field, some animals to navigate, and uh, how do they do this, and so on. Yeah, I've heard that animals use it. What are, what are some examples, and how do they appear to use Earth's magnetic field? Okay, well, I got into this business in a strange way. Uh, a student, Tom Quinn, who's now a professor in fisheries at the University of Washington, approached me and wanted to study salmon and the possibility that they sense the magnetic field. I thought this was a silly idea, frankly. This was a long time ago. Um, I thought he'd work... Uh, for many years and not get come up with any results. But he um, dragged me into this business by telling me that his advisor worked with sockeye salmon, one of the species of salmon in the Pacific Northwest, and that these salmon, when they were born, the, the small ones, what I call minnows, he called them uh, fry, they know have to go to a freshwater lake uh, and spend a year before they go out to the oceans. But somehow they knew what the lake was upstream or downstream right at birth. And Quinn wanted to show that they could use the magnetic field to find this lake. And eventually he uh, devised a scheme uh, to do this. He had a forearm trap in which uh, salmon swam in uh, one of four different directions. And I showed him how he could build a magnetic field to uh, around this trap and to change the direction of the magnetic field. And when he changed the direction of the magnetic field by 90 degrees, the salmon would swim in a different direction by 90 degrees. Um, but this only happened at night and when the traps were covered. During the daytime, they were using some other mechanism for navigation, uh, probably the sun, which is polarized, much like you see in polarized uh, sunglasses. That's a long... So at night, they were somehow innately sensing the magnetic field, but in the daytime, you think it's through were, their eyes that they were getting a signal from the polarized light of the sun? That's, that's the hypothesis. Uh, actually, many animals sense the magnetic field, by the way. Um, there's a... a, a uh, 
we, we use different senses. When we cross a road, for example, we look both ways, but we also listen. And the salmon, in this case, we're using probably different senses. Uh, birds use a variety of senses. They even use the stars to navigate. So there's many senses that uh, animals use to, to navigate and orient themselves. I've heard that the Earth's magnetic field is very weak. So can you give me an example of the, the relative scale of how strong or weak the Earth's magnetic field is? Well, the magnetic field is, is uh, very weak. It's, uh, uh, to give you uh, an example, a hand magnet is stronger than most hand magnets in the magnetic field. It's about half a gauss, if that means anything, um, the magnetic field. Um, and uh, there are some problems because, um, uh, you know, you, you have uh, electric wires will have many fields associated with them and so on. And so somehow the salmon are able to overcome all these other fields and, and navigate. Their main tool of navigation, by the way, is an olfactory sense. They smell the water in the river. So when they go out to the ocean, come back, they use a chemical sense smelling it rather than the magnetic field. Um, and Thomas thinks that when they're out in the ocean, however, making a long navigation from Seattle up to Alaska and back, he thinks that they may be using the magnetic field. But this is a problem because um, you have to have a map view. The magnetic field varies from one place to another. It's not a simple magnetic field where you just go north. Here, our declination is off by about 20 degrees from pure north. And that changes as you go on a navigation route. This, this may be very complicated for your listeners. Uh, perhaps a, a simpler example is something called magnetotactic bacteria. These are single-celled organisms that live in mud. And they're uh, buoyant. They, they uh, want to live just in a certain area in the mud where the oxygen level is just right. And how do they find this? They can't use gravity, and they have been shown to use a magnetic field. You can take these bacteria, put them under a microscope, put a magnet next to the microscope, and they'll swim one way, flip the magnet over 180 degrees, they'll swim the other way. They look inside these bacteria, and they find there's little particles of a mineral called magnetite. And these particles are just the right size to maximize the magnetic field strength. So these particles are sensing the magnetic field, they're, they're the force on the magnetic field and somehow know which way to swim. So they swim up or down and the magnetic field has an actual an inclination. So they're using the inclination of this magnetic field to move up and down in these sediments to find an optimum level to live. Again, a very complicated okay, answer okay. to your question. Um, has science figured out how I mean, so they have like these little particles that respond to the magnetic field. So do the particles line up on one side of a, of a cell in the, in the, of the bacterial wall? And that's how they know? Or like what's the mechanism they're actually, that navigate? They're in a long chain called a magnetosome. Um, and there may be 15 or 20 of these uh, in this magnetosome lined up. And just like um, if you pay two magnets together, there's a torque on them. Uh, how, how the bacteria actually sense it is, is going into biology, which is not my field. <laughs> um, it, but clearly, they must, they must be sensing this in some way because it's, it's something you don't even need statistics for. 
if you put these bacteria under a microscope and you put on a magnetic field, they all swim one way. You turn the magnetic field around 180 degrees, they all swim the other way. But that's not the only way. Have, uh, what, what happens if you have an AC current? It's going back and forth, back and forth. It's changing, so I would think it would create a magnetic field that would be changing direction at yeah. a certain frequency, right? That's correct. And in fact, you can take these these magnetic crystals in there, and you can remagnetize them by putting on magnetic fields in the opposite direction and follow up the system. And when you do that, the, the bacteria can't can't find which way is up and down in their sediments. So, what is it called when a magnetic field uh, changes over time? Do they I mean, I guess they have their own frequencies, and is there a name for that? You know, a changing magnetic field over time? Um, well, the magnetic field is changing all the time um, at the Earth's magnetic field, and we can put on um, very magnetic fields to, uh, you know, very strong fields up to hundreds of thousands of Gauss, uh, much stronger than Earth's magnetic field. In fact, we use superconducting magnetometers uh, to do this. Um, the uh, we, when we talk about the Earth's magnetic field changing, we call it secular variation. And that is changing because of the Earth's main magnetic field is, comes from the core of the Earth. 4,000 miles uh, is the radius of the Earth. That's about halfway down to the core. It's liquid, and it's like a generator, uh, which generates a magnetic field. And this magnetic field is, is changing all the time because the core is moving about and uh, carrying the magnetic field with it. So I, I'm not certain when you talk about the changes of magnetic field, uh, how to describe this. Uh, the Earth's magnetic field itself actually has reverse polarity. That means that the north magnetic pole and the south magnetic pole have uh, swapped uh, places. It takes about 3,000 years to, or so to do this. Um, and it's happened hundreds of times in the past. The last time was 780,000 years ago. And it brings up an interesting question related to animals. Uh, when the Earth's magnetic field reverses, how does the animals adjust and evolve to uh, know that the magnetic field is changing? That would probably change their migratory patterns and then it would lead maybe to their extinction. I would think, is there a, I wonder if there's a mass extinction correlated with a change in the Earth's magnetic field direction. Actually, that, that was a question that, that um, several people worked on back in the uh, late 20th century, and that was, that was a hypothesis that the reversal of the magnetic field might cause extinctions. And two scientists in Europe uh, examined the problem um, with regard to the uh, what's called the Cretaceous uh, tertiary extinction, which occurred 66 million years ago, and is now uh, thought to be associated with an asteroid that hit the Yucatan uh, Peninsula. But at the time, this was not known in the 70s when they first did this, and they went out and found the extinction did not coincide with any magnetic reversals. And subsequently, that hypothesis has been put to rest. In fact, we were asked to write a review article for the Journal of Science uh, my a colleague, Phil McFadden, and I, uh, 15 or 20 years ago, when we summarized this, uh, summarized the data and showed that the uh, extinctions did not uh, occur at magnetic reversal boundaries. The magnetic reversals are recorded in rocks, by the way. Mm. Uh, the, uh, oh, really? Okay. Th and that's has how anyone we tried know. to document 
in a lab to see if um, you have an animal that's been exposed to uh, the reverse magnetic field when it should, but there's other cues that are telling it it's going the wrong way. Maybe it adapts over time. Has that been observed? Yeah, that has been done. It's been done with several different animals. In fact, animals all the way from bacteria up to um, some uh, naked mole rats, I think, uh, sense the magnetic field. Birds are best known, but one of the animals that are studied the most is um, fruit flies. <laughs> um, and that's because they have a very simple nervous system, a very simple uh, genetic system. And they take fruit flies and they put them in a a magnetic field and they uh, teach them to go towards food, the sugar, uh, along one passageway uh, in one direction and then they can reverse the magnetic field and they'll go the opposite direction to find the food, to find the sugar. They've actually taught them how to, um, to do this. Uh, but these fruit flies do not have these magnetic particles. <laughs> and it turns out that they are uh, using um, a, a chemical sensor that is uh, responds to light that affects the magnetic properties of a molecule and the chemical reactions. It's a complicated uh, uh, mechanism, uh, but it only works when blue light is present. Again, a very long, complicated um, answer, but no, they can right. they can control. Uh, they can do controlled experiments to teach animals to sense the magnetic field, to uh, find uh, sources of food. Um, do you think that um, magnetic sense extends to people or to all animals? Or you know, how many animals <laughs> seem to have it? Um, well, I can tell you some of the animals that have it. Uh, turtles have it. Uh, many, many bird species uh, have a magnetic sense. Um, uh, some bats have it as well as a, a sonar sense. Um, let me see who else has it. Um, these, these mole rats have it. Um, a lot of them haven't been done. When it comes to people, that, uh, there are some fringe scientists that think that people might have uh, a magnetic sense. Um, I have, I'm a skeptic on this one. Uh, there's a fellow by the name of Baker over in England that uh, claims they have it. But when it's been tried to, to uh, be duplicated in controlled conditions, it doesn't work. For example, if you put a person into a shielded room, so all the magnetic fields outside a room are, are gone, and inside a room you can produce a magnetic field. You put a person in a chair, and you turn it in different directions, and you can change that, or you can change the magnetic field, and the person can't sense the magnetic field. A professor at Caltech, Joel Kirschfink, has done those experiments, and he doesn't find that they can sense the magnetic field. Now, Kirschfink himself uh, thinks that there may be uh, a, uh, that in the ancient times that, that uh, primates might have been able to send, uh, mammals uh, might have been able to uh, sense the magnetic field. Uh, but this hasn't been demonstrated that, that any... Uh, well, maybe we can, maybe we can, but we just have to have a, uh, a stronger signal. Or maybe we can, I don't know. Yeah, that may be true. But the intensity of the magnetic field today, of uh, Earth's magnetic field, is about the same as it's been for the last uh, 
it, it goes up and down, but it, it's in the range of within a factor of 10 for the last several millions of years, as longer than man has been around. Uh, it might be interesting to go back to see uh, like the Aborigines in uh, Australia or something like that, whether they have a magnetic sixth sense, uh, but nobody has done this. Is it just a, <clears throat> for migration? You know, long migration, or is magnetic field ever used for like day-to-day short movements? You know, over over small paths. Well, um, it it turns out that uh, with the birds do navigate. Some birds actually go from one pole to the other pole, and they use several ways of navigating. But magnetic fields is thought to be uh, one of them. Um, sharks also. Uh, they have a, a different way that they might sense a magnetic field. I won't go into that here. But I was down in South Africa and I learned of a, a shark called uh, Nicole. It turns out it was named after Nicole Kidman, the actress, uh, because she was fond for sharks. But they took this shark and they put on a uh, tag on it, uh, what's called a pop-up tag, that... Uh, could be used to find where its location was, how deep it went, and so on. This shark, uh, three months later, was found off the west coast of Australia. Uh, it had migrated that, that distance, uh, and they found it because this pop-up tag was released. It goes to the surface where it is interrogated by satellites, and uh, they found out where the shark was. And then six months later, this shark uh, returned to South Africa to a place called False Bay, uh, and they could identify it because of uh, notches in its fins and so on. So somehow this shark was migrating uh, thousands of miles all the way over to West Australia and back. They don't know for sure why it was migrating that far. They don't know how it was migrating that far. But they do know uh, from uh, experiments that were done in Hawaii that sharks can be uh, can sense magnetic fields very sensitively, and they can uh, you can train them to seek out fields uh, food by changing the magnetic field. So it's a hypothesis. A lot of these things are speculative, uh, not yet proved, uh, but it's very plausible. Well, how would how do sharks migrate? Uh, using magnetic fields. You said the mechanism was different. What's it like? Well, it, it may be different. This is controversial. Uh, some sharks seem to have magnetic particles in them, but they also have what are called organs called ampullae of Lorenzini. These are long tooth, many of them that are in the shark's head, and they conduct uh, electricity very well. And water, salt water, also conducts electricity very well. So you can make a circuit that goes through the shark's head. Now, if you take a, a, uh, a coil of wire and you move it in a magnetic field, it will induce a current in this coil. So one of the speculations is that these sharks are, as they turn their heads uh, in the magnetic field, are inducing currents that they somehow sense. The... The other, the competitive mechanism that Joe Kirschwink, this professor at Caltech, believes, is that they have magnetic particles in their head and are using that. Um, and to my knowledge, the uh, uh, debate is still going on. That's really interesting. Huh. But it seems to be when there's migratory behavior involved, that's when there's magnetosensing. But I mean, are there other animals where it makes no sense that they would have uh, 
you know, this, the ability to sense the Earth's magnetic field? Well, I mean, I suppose that um, the more sensors we, ha- we have and use, the better off we are. <laughs> but um, turtles, for example, um, green turtles and loggerback turtles sense the magnetic field. Uh, some of these are born in Florida beaches, and they're, I, by the way, I, I'm not a biologist, so I'm, I'm only on the, the uh, side of this. I mean, I work more on, on the origin of the field than reversals. But these turtles, they, they swim out around uh, the Atlantic in a big loop, and they come back to the same place. And when they take the small turtles and um, put them in the magnetic fields to see which way they, they swim, by changing inclination, they'll swim in different directions. So again, it appears that turtles have a magnetic uh, sense and, and are using this for long-scale migrations. These migrations go all the way from Florida or all the way across the Atlantic uh, to the opposite side and back around the Sargasso Sea. They make a big loop. And they seem to do this uh, instinctively. It seems to be that this magnetic sense is somehow programmed into their system at birth. Yeah, well, again, it sounds like uh, any animal that, that has to migrate uses uh, magnetic sensing for that, uh, that migration. It makes sense. Um, yeah, not any animal. The, uh, to my knowledge, the monarch butterflies do not use a magnetic field. Uh, that was one that was investigated, and it doesn't seem that they use it. Um, they use some other mechanism for uh, sensing uh, uh, the magnetic field. Uh, one of the earliest experiments were with starlings uh, of birds in Scandinavia, and they took these birds, uh, picked them up, and they when they were uh, and carried them down to Switzerland and released them. And usually these starlings went from Scandinavia to the British Isles. But when they took them down to Switzerland, they found that there was, there was some of the starlings went to the British Isles, but the young ones that had never made the migration before went to Spain. They were using the magnetic field and uh, exclusively to do that. But the older ones that went to the British Isles were using some other mechanism for navigation that overrode the magnetic field information. So again, birds and, and these animals seem to use more than one sense, just as we do. We, we have our five senses and we use them, we, you know, and crossing the road, as I said, we look and we listen. Um, if you, if you and, were to visualize what a animal experiences, has anyone done that where they've tried to create a visual of what they would see are they literally yeah. seeing the Earth's magnetic field? Do they feel a tug, or like what? What do you imagine it would feel like? Well, again, this is speculative. Um, on these uh, fruit flies, but also birds seem to use um, this photochemical sense in in light. And what happens is it's a a long molecule that has different orientations with respect to the magnetic field. And we, these different uh, orientations, they'll have different uh, rates of uh, a chemical reaction. And they find them in birds in the right eye, uh, in many songbirds, but these, these molecules have different orientations. And so they're having different rates of chemical transmission. And the speculation is that in the eye, it, it may appear as dots, the, that the chemical rate of chemical 
reactions appear as either a dark dot or a lighter dot and so on. And you have a pattern of dots. And as the animal ch changes its orientation, this pattern in the eye changes. And that they're sensing this. But this is very speculative. If that's the case, these animals are actually seeing the magnetic field, these birds. Yeah, I was just wondering how they experience it. So that's what they think is a series of dots in a pattern. Is it like a predominance of dots in a part of the visual field, or is it a specific pattern of the dots? It would be the pattern of the dots. But again, I have to remind you, this is speculative. Nobody has shown that this is the case. But they have right. shown that these molecules, uh, that these chemical rates do change, and the birds do sense the magnetic field. Again, uh, if, uh, if you go to the other people, they claim that uh, birds sense the magnetic fields by using uh, magnetic uh, particles <laughs> in their brain. <laughs> so, you know, most of these mechanisms are, are um, the animals sense the magnetic fields. Many of these animals do. That, that has been demonstrated well. Uh, and some animals, uh, they know for sure how they sense the magnetic field. The bacteria for sure do it by magnetic particles. Fruit flies do it by uh, what's called a cryptochrome, uh, which is a molecule in their brain that has these, uh, these long molecules inside that, that uh, it's a protein actually, cryptochrome. They have long molecules inside that give these spots in birds. Uh, but so fruit flies are not using magnetic particles. So there's more than one mechanism for sure that animals are using to sense the magnetic field. But for all other animals that I know of, uh, it, it's controversial just which mechanism they're using. So fruit flies are using something that involves a uh, rate of chemical reactions in a magnetic field. Uh, bacteria are using magnetic particles. Uh, and uh, Joe Kirschrink, who's a friend of mine at Caltech, <laughs> would disagree. He wants everything to be magnetic particles. But there's a lot of evidence by people elsewhere uh, that uh, there are other mechanisms that are involved in some of these animals. Okay. Well, sorry we strayed so much into the biological area. But uh, so in your particular research, what have you discovered that you, what have you learned about the Earth's magnetic field that most people never talk about or? It was not common knowledge. Well, you know, when I talk to people about the origin of magnetic fields, their eyes glaze over. <laughs> um, but what um, I, I, I guess in, in my work, uh, one of the things I did was, was find out how rocks uh, record the magnetic field better. But the other thing was um, concerned the magnetic field reversals and that um, these these reversals occur in time but they're random but there are long periods of time um, as we find from looking at rocks where the magnetic field has not reversed itself at all from a period of um, 135 million years ago to 83 million years ago the field never reversed it had a normal polarity just as it does today uh, but these reversals occur randomly in time but it's, uh, for some reason uh, 
the processes working in the core of the earth uh, will change over very long time so there's no reversals and then there's times when there are reversals um, this is different from the sun by the way the sun has a magnetic field that reverses polarity every 11 years so it's periodic boom 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 uh, sometimes it's eight years sometimes 13 but on the average it's every uh, 11 years but the earth's magnetic field is not reversing in a periodic fashion and um, there are theories now that have been developed on computers uh, using big words like magnet or hydrodynamics which are very mathematical uh, theories in which uh, you can show that under some conditions the magnetic fields will reverse periodically uh, depending on movements of fluids and in other conditions they will be random like uh, we have in the earth so we've we've dealt with these kind of problems and and what what uh, how the conditions in the core and how the conditions in the sun which we didn't work on but how how they can vary so that we can uh, see these regularity of reversals or non-regularity Oh well, yeah. What what does change the Earth's magnetic field? Why does it change? And can you okay. predict when and and how? Okay. Yeah. Let me. Um, there there are two ways you can have magnetism. One is by permanent magnets, and there um, when you heat these magnets up, uh, they lose their magnetization. They're not they're not magnetized anymore. Uh, and then the Earth is too hot in the center to have any permanent magnetization. The second way is by electric currents. And if you take a current traveling along a wire and put your right thumb along the direction of this current, your fingers will curl around the wire in the direction of a magnetic field. So whenever you have a current, you also have a magnetic field. Uh, and in the subject of uh, what we call dynamo, which is uh, the origin magnetic field, it's a effectively electric generator uh, that we're taking um, uh, movements of fluid, mechanical movements of fluid to generate electric uh, uh, currents and to uh, uh, magnify these. So the core of the Earth which is down to 2,000 miles, is divided into inner core, which is solid, and an outer liquid core that is convecting, just like a, uh, boiling water on a stove, only it's made of iron and nickel. And it's, it's turbulent, and it's moving around, and it's pr producing a whole bunch of electric currents. And because it's moving around and producing these electric currents, which are associated with magnetic fields, the magnetic fields are always moving around. And um, when we're far away from them uh, at the Earth's surface, the magnetic field appears as if it's a bar magnet. It's not really. It's these electric currents. But about 75% of the field is this one bar magnet. Uh, the rest of the field is very complicated and is constantly moving. If you were to go to the north magnetic pole today, for example, uh, that's where the field is vertical. Uh, it has a, an inclination, uh, and it would be 90 degrees down. That that part of the field is changing very rapidly. It's it's changing tens of miles uh, a year. Uh, its position. But if you go to the south magnetic pole, it's not 180 degrees away. That's not moving very fast at all. And that's because besides this. This main field, which is a like a bar magnet, 25% of the field is due to these very complex electric currents close to the outer boundary of uh, 
of the core, and they're changing very rapidly. Um, so, you know, you if you have a compass and you're <laughs> moving around and on there, say the Iraq boundary uh, borderline, you, you better be careful. <laughs> so in the aggregate, because we're far away from the Earth's core, we observe it as less varied than it actually is? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, what, what happens is, again, this is very complicated. The further away we get from the core, the more it looks like a single magnet with a dipole, two poles, north and south. The closer that we get to the Earth's core, the more complicated it looks. And because we're, you know, a couple thousand miles away from the, the surface of the Earth's core, we get a part of it which looks like a bar magnet and another part that doesn't. But remember, these are not magnets because there's no, no permanent magnets in the Earth's uh, core at all. These are all due to electric currents. It's just a phenomenal way electricity and magnetism works. Um, so is it, is it because that we have so many essentially competing magnets or it's so fluid that the net magnetic field of the earth is very low based on the amount of magnetic material in play is that why it's almost that neutral but slightly biased in one direction um well the the crust and rocks do have magnetic fields and they can affect things but the main magnetic field is from uh this this core uh, of the uh, from the earth itself um and, and yeah, since, they, our, our, since the Earth's magnetic field is so low, is that because yeah. it's it's almost in balance, but there's just a slight preferential uh, slant towards towards one direction, and maybe that's why it can change direction at all because there's not not too much is needed to change it. Well, there's the magnetic field can change in two different ways. One, I, I can let the intensity go to zero and build up the other way. And the second way is I can rotate the magnetic field around 180 degrees. And it looks like uh, different reversals have different properties in time, but it looks like both happen, that the intensity decreases somewhat, but the field becomes very complicated, what we call a non-dipole field. It's no longer a bar magnet. And um, this is easier seen in the sun, which reverses, as I said, every 11 years. During the middle reversal, there's no bar magnet appearance at all. It's just a very complicated magnetic field at the surface. So um, th these are, you know, these. This is why people's eyes glaze over when I talk to them about. It. I mean, it's it's really a oh, difficult okay. mathematical physics subject. But if I may, what about what about I, the uh, what about the origin of the uh, Earth's magnetic field? What, what's your thoughts there? Well, let let me tell you an anecdote that will help it. Um, there's a uh, William Gilbert is sometimes called the father of experimental physics. He was back in 1600. He was the royal physician for Queen Elizabeth I. And at that time, he decided he'd learn everything about magnetism, go through all sorts of, all the experiments that had ever been done, going all the way back to the Chinese that had compasses uh, back thousands of years ago. And he would reproduce all these experiments. And he concluded that Earth was, had a magnetic field because it was a permanent magnet. Uh, it was magnetized. And um, he further concluded that the magnetism arise, arose because uh, it had a soul. Now, at the time, 
they didn't know about electric currents. Nobody had discovered electric currents. They weren't discovered until over 100 years later. So he was trying to solve a problem, trying to figure out something that was unsolvable because they didn't have the basic physics of the problem. Uh, and when you, you know, now we, we think we have the, the basic physics of the problem, and we talk about the Earth's magnetic field being weak, um, but there's things that are much weaker. Um, you know, a, a little uh, a bacteria has a magnetic field associated with these magnetic particles, but this doesn't compare to the Earth's magnetic field. There are uh, stars uh, called magnetars, they're neutron stars. These are stars made of neutrons that uh, they're very dense. A, uh, the diameter is only uh, about the size, uh, diameter of Chicago or something of that sort. But you take a, a sugar cube of uh, a neutron star and it would weigh more than the Matterhorn. That's how dense they are, just made of neutrons. But wow. they have intense magnetic fields, very large, a million billion gauss, a million billion times the Earth's magnetic field. And now you say, okay, well, what's, what's the origin of this magnetic field? Well, guess what? People will, will say, well, maybe it's uh, a dynamo, electric currents like the Earth and the sun and so on. And you say, but, but these fields are very, very large. You know, the, the question comes up, maybe we're not ready to solve some of these problems. Uh, maybe it's a mechanism that we still don't know. Right. Well, Ron, you know, I think this stuff is really fascinating. And um, unfortunately, we're out of time. But how can, how can listeners begin to learn more about uh, the Earth's magnetic field, about magnetic uh, navigation by animals? What, what do you recommend that they do to, from here to learn more? <laughs> well, th th this is um, being a little bit selfish. I would get my book, Our Magnetic Earth. Uh, it talks about the uh, magnetic fields there. It talks about biological problems, magnetic resonance, imaging in there. It talks about the origin of magnetic fields. It talks about how we know the composition of the Earth. It talks about uh, solar wind and weather, uh, magnetic fields, storms, uh, things of this sort are all on that book. Yeah, I mean, all those, the theory of the origin of the magnetic field, all those things are, are trying to be described in that book. Um, when I was, uh, I'm retired now, but when I was working, I wrote two high-level books for researchers in math and physics a lot. In uh, this book, Our Magnetic Earth was written for, uh, with no equations. Uh, it was written at a scientific American level and trying to explain um, about Earth's magnetic field, its properties, and um, and so on, in a way that that uh, uh, an intelligent layman might be able to understand it. Uh, but that that's a selfish thing. You can also find a whole bunch of articles in uh, places like Scientific American and Discover Magazine, and so on. Okay, well that's great. Well, Ron, thanks for coming. I really appreciate it. It's been a great call. I I hope it was useful and it was enjoyable talking to you, Richard. I appreciate it. You've been listening to the Future Tech Edition of the Finding Genius Podcast. This podcast is information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed. Review us on iTunes or wherever you listen and subscribe today by going to futuretech.findinggeniuspodcast.com.